You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in This is the TSR pop where all we do is win It's just football fiends on a mission Delivering opinions of my significance Man, I hope you've been listening Cause scouting is the business You're welcome cause it's a privilege Most people in this position just don't give it away, no so all that's left to say now is welcome to the show Cause you know Jacob and Ball were ready, so let's go What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the TSR Podcast. Once again, we are going to have another fan episode this week. This week, we are going to be breaking down the Denver Broncos, and once again, we have a fan of the team joining us. That fan is Mason LeBeau, and he is also a scout for Blitzalytics. Mason, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to talk some football. I ever, Anytime I get a chance to do this, uh, I look forward to it, just because I can talk about football at any time, and now that we're all quarantined and in this pandemic or whatever, uh, no better way to pass the time than talking about uh, September football in uh, early or late May. <laughs> yeah, man, you're already bringing great energy. I already love the energy. That's that's probably the hypest guest we've come on immediately just out of a cannon. So I'm excited <laughs> about this episode. Um, so I want to go through your the 2019 season, man. Um, obviously, 2019 season had its ups and downs. Y'all were seven and nine, finished second in the AFC West. Um, kind of sad owner Pat Boland passed away, and that was that was a real sad um, time when that happened. But the 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 positive things that happened was Drew Locke, man. Drew Locke got hot down the stretch and played very well, which has made people excited to see what type of second year jump he can make. Um, what do you what are your thoughts on Drew Locke, man, and, and the 2019 season as a whole? Uh, I have a hard time not getting excited. Uh, I've been watching so many, like all the YouTube breakdown guys, all a bunch of Twitter breakdown guys. I obviously watched them over a few times myself. It really is hard to get a feel for what Drew Locke can and will be. A lot of people are very excited. Some people see some issues here and there. Uh, I can totally understand both sides. Personally, uh, the Broncos were connected to Drew Locke in the entire draft process this last year or the year before last. Uh, so I watched him pretty in depth as a, uh, as a quarterback from Missouri. And even then it's hard to get a feel for him just because, uh, his tape wasn't very good, but watching those Missouri teams just get absolutely overpowered by Georgia's and Alabama's, I had a hard time blaming him for all his faults. So I really can't say with confidence that I think he'll be the guy, but Watching the quarterbacks that we have for the last four years, ever since Peyton, and even at the end of Peyton's uh, uh, play in our for us, uh, he just looks like the most fun quarterback we've had. He just kind of has this moxie to him that's, you know, he has some of the fun qualities that Paxton Lynch had, but he still has the, uh, uh, the says the right things, kind of like Brock Osweiler did. Uh, he's a much better mover than Joe Flacco. He has the arm far better than Case Keenum. It's like we've been going through all these different quarterbacks that have certain different qualities that worked for him, but none of them have been very good. Part of that's been our offense, part of that's been our coaching, but a lot of it has also just been on the quarterback. So despite the fact that I can't say with 100% confidence that Drew Locke is the guy, uh, he's by far the quarterback I've been most excited about in a long time for the Broncos. Yeah, man. So, like you said with his tape, I remember watching his tape, breaking it down. I was doing my quarterback rankings. And like you said, the tape wasn't really good, but you could see Drew Locke had all the intangibles. And he had the, he had the arm strength. He could throw from different arm angles. It was kind of like watching, not on the same level, but it was kind of like watching Patrick Mahomes 
where where Drew Locke was easily the most talented guy on his offense and could make things happen, but then would also run into problems of trusting his arm a little bit too much and putting the ball in bad situations. But like you said, you know, I I didn't know what he was going to do last year. You know, I didn't even know when he was going to get on the field. But like I said, he played well down the stretch and, and even won y'all some games. So I know that was had to be really good for you guys to see. Uh, Bo, what, we, what was your take on Drew Locke last year? <clears throat> Man, I thought it was really exciting to see him come out and play that way. I, I think, I mean, I think he came off the, came off injury reserve, right? And then just came right in and started the first week off it, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah that okay, is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to come off without really seeing much time on the field just off injury and to play that way. I mean, he had really hit the ground running. There's a lot to be excited about. Um, I, I think that, like he said, it's been a quarterback carousel, you know, for the last few years. And finally there, there is something that you could see a future. You could see a future with this guy. And I think there's a lot of hope for Broncos fans. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, Drew Locke's got a lot of people behind him right now. Peyton Manning's been talking to him quite a bit, trying to take him in under his wing. Um, he's also being endorsed by his new star running back, Melvin Gordon, saying that, you know, Melvin Gordon pretty much came out and said that Drew Locke's going to explode this coming season. Um, former quarterback Jake Plummer, who I know Mason knows real well, uh, he came out and said that he thinks Locke is going to be great. And also Terrell Davis, the Hall of Fame running back for the Broncos, said that he 100% believes in Drew Locke. So he's, he's got a lot of, of, of backing. Um, what are you expecting from him this season, Mason? That, that's kind of what I want to get to, and I think that's what a lot of fans of the Broncos are wondering, is what can they expect from this guy this season? Especially, you know, what's going to hurt them the most is this whole quarantine situation, because he's not out there getting to play with his receivers and getting, getting you know, able to work on timing and build chemistry with them. So what are you expecting with all this? Yeah, the quarantine definitely isn't good for any team with like a young quarterback or young offense in general. So it's kind of hard to set expectations. But generally, you kind of look at how the offense has been set up. Uh, people give John Elway a lot of crap. I can uh, understand that reasonably uh, beforehand. But really, we've gotten to the point where in terms of offensive weapons, we have everything set up. When I look at receiving cores, I kind of want like a basketball team in, in terms of uh, the weapons you have. I think we've set that up wonderfully. We have two running backs that have two very different skill sets. And I think the offensive line uh, has a surprisingly decent floor. Uh, not a lot of upside, but I think they can be okay if everyone stays healthy. And uh, quite frankly, we have one of the better offensive line coaches in the league. So I've got to say that if Drew Locke is any form of good, and we have reason to believe he at least should be that, uh, this offense is put him in a position where he should be good, like at minimum bomb line around that like 16th ranked quarterback area and if he's any better he should really be able to take off with it I think we do need to temper expectations for the first half of the season and that's always hard to do because that's a full two months that we'll be living through uh it is a really young offense and it is kind of an unproven offensive line so when all the receivers are young when all the, when the quarterback's young uh when your veteran ships coming from the running backs uh and the offensive line uh generally there's going to be a little bit of time where uh they take time to gel so it might not happen right away but I think by the end of the season, as long as we see good quarterback play, uh, which we have not seen for an extended period of time in a while, uh, I think that's where we can reasonably put our expectations. So, yeah, hear me out. So I'm a Bengals fan, and, you know, obviously we just drafted Joe Burrow. And I was just talking to Bo before we started recording saying that what, what quarterback, you know, can Bo remember that's coming to a situation that has such good of weapons as Joe Burrow looks like he will have if everybody's healthy? You know, having A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, um, T. Higgins. 
But when you look at Drew Locke, I mean, you can put Drew Locke up there. This guy's coming into a team that has Cortland Sutton, who is your, your big-bodied receiver. You just got an unbelievable talent in Jerry Judy. Also drafted K.J. Hamler. You also have Deshaun Hamilton. He has weapons, and he also has Noah Fan. Yeah, and everybody Al- say Noah Fan. Can't forget yeah, him. Got Noah Fan. You also just draft, drafted Albert O, who I, I was high on at, at Missouri, and, and Drew Locke is familiar with. So I think the Drew Locke's backs are in, pretty solid, too. Oh, but yeah, we don't even got to get started on the running <laughs> yeah. backs. I mean, they're, they're so solid. Yeah. But I'm really excited to see what he can do. And like you said, they, we need to temper expectations, um, especially just because of the whole COVID situation. He's not getting to work out with his team. But I, I do believe people are going to put way too high of expectations on him, and then people are going to get upset when he doesn't reach those expectations. But, again, just temper the expectations. I think he's going to be good. Like you said, Mason, let's, let's give him to around the mid, midway of the season. Um, I'd say around, like, week eight, let him start. I think he'll start showing out a little bit. It's going to take him a while to build that chemistry. Um, but I do want to say something else, and this isn't really a recap of the 2019 season. This is just something me and Bo were just talking about. Um, Floyd Little, the Broncos running back legend, uh, was just diagnosed with cancer. Um, this guy is second in franchise history in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. So um, I hope sending good vibes to Floyd yeah. Little. Uh, Bo brought that to my attention, and then I read a little bit about it. It's a weird, so, uh, it's a weird coincidence. We get those alerts today, and we're doing this episode. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, weird, very, very, very um, big coincidence. But um, Mason, I want to talk about the key free agency additions to the team and the big departures that you guys had. So I put down my list, and I, I'm, I'm just going to hit on some of the big names, and then if I miss anyone, I want you to tell me who I'm missing and why. You know, that's a big deal. To the Broncos, as it from a fan standpoint, okay. Okay. So, so the biggest one, the one I love, I love this so much, and I don't think people really understand how good he actually is when he's on the film. Um, is Jarrell Casey? I love getting Jarrell Casey in that Denver Broncos defense. Um, I love watching him play football, and I think he's definitely got some left in the tank. I mean, this guy had 44 tackles and five sacks in 14 games last year. Um, but he is 30 years old. That, I, that's why I'm saying he, he does still have some of the tank, but he's obviously not a real, real young guy. Um, also, A.J. AJ Boye, you can't forget about him. Huge ad for the Broncos, he, especially after losing Chris Harris Jr. Um, I think everyone knows Mason, Bo, y'all both know Boye is a stud. Um, oh, yeah. I think I think he's going to come in immediately and fill the void Harris left. <clears throat> and he's also getting to play with his teammate from Houston, safety Kareem Jackson. So I think that's already going to help out with chemistry, 100%. And then I guess, I don't even know if I need to say this, Melvin Gordon. Um, <laughs> Gordon actually said this himself, and I quote, I feel like Denver kind of runs my style of football, and I think it's a great fit. He also said they run a lot of inside zones, and that's what I did a lot at Wisconsin. It's going to really help me get back in the feel of what I do best. I'm an inside zone runner. I love the tandem of Lindsey and myself in Denver. I love that quote, man. He's so hyped to get in there. But I know you also saw that Melvin Gordon took a shot at the Chargers, saying that the Chargers didn't Absolutely. even have that was fans. Hilar- that was hilarious. <laughs> it it pre- prepped him to play for not having fans. It was, oh, God. But, so but funny. Go, go through some of the um, – did I hit on most of the big ads for you, Mason? Or, or tell me some more. Um, or, Bo, if I missed any that you I, had, tell me some. I was is Graham Glasgow one of those? Did, did yeah, Graham Glasgow yeah, is yeah. one of those, and I forgot. Yeah, to and, um, I mean, they got Nick Vanette too. I mean, he came from Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, he's just going to be a depth piece. And then uh, I believe Jeff Driscoll. Did we talk mention that as well? 
Jeff Driscoll, you're talking about the quarterback from the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I didn't awesome. mention that, but I, I actually did see that name, and I was like, you know, I was like, that's a solid pickup. Well, Jeff- quarterback depth's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, like you said with Glasgow, I just think that guy's really experienced. I think that's huge for the offensive line. And like you said, Mason, the Denver Broncos offensive line is sneaky good. They're actually sneaky good. Um, Mike Munchak. Glasgow, he started at multiple positions for the Lions. I'm pretty sure he started at center and both the guard positions while Correct. he was in, in Detroit. Um, and he only allowed one sack in two years. Now, I'm trying to bring this off the top of my head right now. I don't know if I'm right with that. I was trying to read some about him earlier this week. Uh, but I think he only allowed one sack in two seasons in Detroit. Um, so that's huge for the offensive line. But tell, tell me your take on some of the big ads other than those guys where you can add to those guys, Mason. No, you guys hit them all. Uh, it's kind of it was a little bit more of a quiet free agency, so I have to agree. I think Jarrell Casey is uh, the only true. Okay, actually, him and Melvin Gordon are the only true ads where we like added talent to positions we didn't have on the roster last year. Uh, everything else was like a lateral move, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, Glasgow is a very very solid offensive lineman. Uh, he'll probably be upgrading and replacing Connor McGovern, who is also a solid offensive lineman. Uh, but he'll also kind of be replacing. Uh, Ron Leary. Uh, in terms of talent, Leary was a bit washed at this point. Injuries over the last few years really zapped him. So if we're getting reliable, versatile interior offensive lineman, perfectly content, he'll be replacing one of them. Uh, not necessarily upgrade with McGovern, but again, we needed a guy there. And with Boye, uh, again, replacing Chris Harris Jr., as you said. Uh, in terms of pure talent, I think Chris Harris was a little bit better. But in terms of getting a little bit younger and getting a guy who actually is a pure outside corner, I consider it pretty much a lateral move there as well. So uh, that was more of Elway patching the roster, making sure we're still good. So uh, good moves, just uh, kind of necessary at the same time. Melvin Gordon adds a skill set completely opposite to Philip Lindsay, who's really struggled on the third downs for the last few years. Uh, watching going through him, uh, he adds an excellent receiving piece. A lot of uh, a lot of fans weren't actually too happy with that. They thought we paid a little bit too much. Maybe we did, but I think we needed kind of that pure receiver back who can still run it pretty well. So I agree. I think that tandem is excellent. And again, Jarrell Casey, that is the true big ad. I uh, accidentally ended up watching him while I was watching uh, the Ravens offensive line in their playoff game. And I was surprised to see one of the sacks that Jarrell Casey had, uh, which was just a beautiful finesse move to uh, get Lamar Jackson down before he could leave the pocket. He's and then so he's just... Enough. He's he's really good, and the fact that we got him for so cheap with the seventh round pick is uh, pretty shocking. So having that extra presence between what should be a healthy Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, who still has it after I've looked at that tape too, just to confirm because I was worried. Uh, <laughs> that's very very encouraging for our front seven and our defensive line that managed to pick up at the end of last season, but was generally closer to average when you consider everything because they got off to such a slow start. So. Yeah, quiet, quieter uh, free agent period, but uh, a couple of key ads and uh, just keeping the roster kind of intact. So, so Bo, we've got our guy in here. Me and me and Bo have had our different takes, and we've asked other people. And normally it hasn't gone my way, Mason, but now you're the guy that, that's going to make the decision here okay. on, uh, on who's <laughs> right. So me and Bo, we get into these, these fun <laughs> arguments, man. We make it fun. And <clears throat> I was talking to um, Bo after the, the Melvin Gordon ad. And uh, you know we were just trying to figure out who is RB one in that backfield, and and so so you know Bo's take was you know you don't you don't pay a guy that money to come in and be RB two. Melvin Gordon's also an extremely talented player, so yeah, Bo was I like mean, you know he's gonna be RB one. You Go can ahead, split Bo. you can split the snaps however you want, but on the depth chart, who are you gonna list at one? Yeah, the guy so you're paying the most like 
So, and then the way I saw it, my, I, I was saying Lindsay would be one because, you know, I didn't see that Lindsay has done anything not to still be the number one running back. Um, like you said, he did struggle on third downs last year, and that was the case. Um, but, you know, I think Lindsay's a very talented player. Obviously, Melvin Gordon all around has more talent, but I just don't see – I just – thought Lindsay would stay running back one just because he hasn't really done anything to lose it. So Mason from you, and I'm not going to be mad or and Bo's not going to be mad. I, yeah, I mean, I don't who, care. Who's, who's running back one in the Denver Broncos uh, backfield to you? God, that is actually like probably one of the hardest questions to answer because yeah. I, I, I'm not really positive. I, I, a lot of people have the same thought as you, Boa, where it's, you don't pay Melvin Gordon that money not to be running back one. And on one hand, I kind of understand that. On the other, I feel like we're paying Lindsay so little that you can kind of afford to give a free agent running back for a two-year contract a little bit more just to guarantee him. And when he plays such a vital role that Lindsay doesn't really fill, uh, I didn't really have a problem with the contract like a lot of uh, our our Twitter fans did, at least anyway. A few big Broncos guys had problems with it. I, I, I think most people will say Melvin Gordon. I think I do lean Lindsay just because I can see it being more of a situation where he gets the first down uh, the first downs and Melvin Gordon gets the third downs and whoever gets second down is based on the drive the game the situation everything uh, so I I want to say that snap should be split I want to say that Lindsay should be the incumbent and just the better peer runner on early downs thus technically running back one but I could really see it going going away that is like such an even question so, so here's what's happening right now. I'm, I'm going to let you guys know what's happening. I just put a poll out on Twitter that I will check before the end of this podcast and said, who's the RB1 in Denver, Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon? And we will see what the public thinks. Okay, that's, okay. that's what, that is what we're going to do. Jacob loves this debate. Oh, I just love, and I love putting polls out on Twitter. You don't understand how much fun that is to me. It's so much fun. It's one of the best, one of the best positional debates you can have in the NFL. It really is. Who's going to start? I mean, it's, I mean, and you're honestly, you're going to see some pretty tight snap count between the two, a pretty tight snap count between the two guys. So it's really just going to be like a title thing more than how much they're going to see the field. But it is a, it's a great debate. So here's my thing too. When we were talking about Drew Locke, um, Mason, so, like I said, you come in with all these great weapons. But what, what I've always thought is huge for a quarterback, now obviously he's not a rookie, but he's still a young guy trying to find his way in the NFL. Uh, what I've always thought was huge for young quarterbacks that don't have, you know, all the confidence there is have, you know, what do they do? They, they use check downs, right? They use check downs a lot of the time. I mean, how much better can you have it when you have the two running backs in your backfield that you're going to be throwing screens to and things like that being Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay? I mean, that's just huge. I mean, it's one thing to have great receivers, but to have two amazing running backs behind you, too, that's just got to bode well for his confidence, wouldn't you say? Yeah, uh, that's one of the better situations to have is when you have two guys like that, someone who's a little bit younger and someone who's a little bit more experienced with a completely different skill set. So uh, when you have the receivers opening up the, uh, the field as much as they should, especially with speed now with Hamler and Judy, uh, and fant up the middle, that should only give those guys more room to work with. So I think that's got to be one of the better situations to have. 100%. Now, I want to talk about some losses that you guys had. Okay. And I'm going to be honest with you. This should this sounds pretty good for the Broncos. I only have two big ones that they've lost. Um, the two big ones I have is one, Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr., obviously. Um, the whole thing with Derek Wolf headed to the Ravens. The Ravens I could get I could go on for days about that defense. Oh um, yeah. But but 
he had 34 tackles and seven sacks and a forced fumble last year. Um, so the defense is definitely going to miss Wolf. And then you don't even really have to go into the Chris Harris Jr. I've always been a huge fan of Chris Harris Jr. Um, I remember when I was watching, you know, when Peyton Manning was playing for the Broncos and they won the Super Bowl against Carolina, Chris Harris Jr. was an absolute stud. I mean, absolute mm-hmm. stud and was a staple in that defense that, you know, if they don't have that guy in there, they may not win that um, Super Bowl. Now, now, some of that Super Bowl, I am going to come out here and say, was some of what Cam Newton didn't do or how the Panthers didn't, um, didn't uh, what am I trying to say here, wasn't able to uh, do on the field. It seems like they were kind of rattled. But that defense was so good, and Chris Harris Jr. was a huge, huge part of that. It's going to be really weird for me to see him in a Chargers uniform, but I do like the fit in L.A. Um, but who are some big losses that you, you um, or other guys that you, you think um, the Denver Broncos lost, Mason? Uh, I'm trying to go through it, and I really think those are the two big ones. And I said earlier, the the two interior offensive linemen, uh, Connor McGovern went to the Jets. Uh, he was very solid. He was a late starter in his career. He was riding the bench for his rookie contract until the last two years. And, uh, you know, he kind of picked it up. I think Graham Glasgow is a upgrade, but Connor McGovern might be a bit more solid. I think the Jets got a good one there. And then Ron Leary, who, as far as I know, doesn't have a home yet really good in uh, Dallas and in that scheme specifically. And once he got here, uh, he just couldn't stay healthy. So until this last year, actually, but by this point, he was kind of a, a bit of a shell of his former self. I'm sure someone can get a good depth signing with him still. Uh, outside of that, we haven't had enough talent really to lose over the last few years. We've been building and building this team. And uh, as I always says, he's been retooling more than rebuilding. And that's been a bit frustrating <laughs> for us. But in reality, Everyone's either coming back from injury reserve, everyone we just signed or really moved on from and replaced. So Derek Wolf is kind of a big one, but when you look at it, we effectively replaced him with Jarrell Casey. Uh, All Miss Wolf, very big part of our defense over the last few years. He's been with us through uh, before we got really good and then with us during those runs. And then he's been with us since we've been bad ever since those runs. So uh, I'll definitely miss him. He's actually the only signed jersey I have because uh, my aunt won it in an auction. She gave it to me. So I was hoping we would keep Wolf. But in the end, keeping Shelby Harris on a value deal is probably the better thing for the team. But uh, yeah, so that's why our free agency was a little bit... Uh, not huge. Again, we just replaced what we lost and added really Melvin Gordon in terms of pure, just adding another position. And uh, yeah, didn't really lose, didn't really gain a lot. Yeah, I, I understand that 100%. Now, Bo, did we miss anybody that you had on your list? Well, I wasn't going to, no, I didn't have anyone, any big losses, but I was going to ask him, uh, being a Broncos fan, how, how do you feel about, is it Mike Munchak? Mike Munchak is still the, the offensive line coach, right, for the Broncos? Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that? I, as a Steelers fan, I was so upset to see him <laughs> leave. He got he got a lot of guys' second contracts at other teams for good money that didn't exactly pan out that great for those teams once they got there, but you know he got the most out of them while they were Steelers. And I know you gotta got to love having that kind of guy on the, on the, on the coaching staff. Yeah, I'm a huge offensive line guy. So when I heard of them, I knew who he was before we got him. Uh, he definitely built his reputation in uh, uh, Pittsburgh. And I believe he even got a coaching stint out of it, a head coaching stint, I believe, in Tennessee. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I think that came before the Pittsburgh stint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, ex- I was extremely excited, and it's a big reason why I have a little bit more confidence in uh, our offensive line than it should warrant in terms of pure talent. I think we yeah. have decent veterans on that team, on that line. We have uh, a couple promising young guys. So I think because of that, 
we could be a little bit better than people expect. But again, just based off what that talent is, I don't expect it to be a world beating offensive line. Just not bad as long as they can stay healthy. Oh yeah, he'll keep you, he'll keep you in the game. That's for sure. Yeah, no matter exactly. no matter how bad it gets, you'll have some guys in your back pocket that can play. Yeah. So guys, this is something else I want to talk about. We just talked about the huge additions, right? The huge additions that the Broncos just had. Y'all also had a. I'm not going to tell you my grade yet, but. Y'all just had a, a solid draft um, in 2020. Um, and I want to go through that draft a little bit, Mason. I want to hear what grade you give it, A through F, and why you give it that grade, okay? Uh, okay. Well, a lot of people loved our draft. Uh, so well, okay. I say solid say. because I'm not yeah. trying to give away what okay, I Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, so so I, I, that doesn't mean I just think it was solid. But anyway, so let, let's go through it a little bit and just tell everybody who the Broncos drafted. Um, in round one, y'all took the guy at wide receiver this year, pretty much in the draft class, Jerry Judy. Uh, round two, you went wide receiver again with K.J. Hamler. Bo and myself were big fans of him. I actually liked K.J. Hamler so much that I wanted him to go to my Super Bowl pick for this year and the Seahawks. Um, now, I'm going to tell you this, Mason. We're, we're about to get into this problem here that me and Bo have. Now, I can watch all this, the film on all these players I want to, but I'll never say, say their names correctly. Okay, yeah. so I'm just going to go ahead and okay. tell you that. I got Tom, this so one. I'm, I'm going to butcher all of these. Just I got this one. I got the next one. I've been practicing it because oh, I have right. the draft contest. Uh, Michael <laughs> Ojemudia. Um, Ojemudia, okay. Michael Ojemudia. I couldn't say it for the longest time either. I had my co-host say right it every time. I said that right earlier. Yeah, yeah. Bo actually yeah, did okay. say that right. See, now, I was yeah. going to say Ojemudia, but okay, that's fine. It works good. No, the, round three, the, off, the, the guards you guys talk, took, I'm huge on that. Lloyd Cushenberry. I love Lloyd Cushenberry coming out of LSU, so I love that pick. Uh, round three, again, you'll take defensive lineman McTelvin Ajum. Round four, you took uh, Albert O. I told Bo just to call him Albert O because neither one of us is going to be able to pronounce that last name. I can't name. say it either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely absurd. I cannot say that last name. Round five, you'll take linebacker Justin Sternad. Round six, interior offensive lineman Natani Muti. Uh, round seven, wide receiver Tyree Cleveland. And round seven, the last pick y'all had Derek Tuska I just love that pick I feel like Derek Tuska is the type of guy that's going to come out and do things on the Denver Broncos defense I really really like that guy but I want to hear what your grade is Mason um on the draft class and if you want to run through each pick and why you liked them uh feel free to I just want to hear from a Broncos fan standpoint how that draft class looked to you okay uh well all right yeah so um at least try to do it really quickly. Jerry Judy, he fell to us. I can't really give Elway credit because we just needed one of the top three receivers that's been known for a long time, and we just happened to get what most people, what a handful of people had as the uh, number one wide receiver. Uh, if you thought that was Lamb, more power to you. I was gladly going to take any of them or Rugs. So uh, I, don't, I don't think we can really credit him a lot for that because it just fell to us in a beautiful way. Uh, but I'm glad it did. Uh, Hamler is where it gets interesting, and I don't know if you guys saw the rumors, but apparently we were one of the teams trying to trade back up into the first round to get Patrick Queen. I would have loved that, too. That would have been big. Uh, I can't be mad about Hamler. Uh, it seems like you guys are actually a tiny bit higher on some of these guys than I am because Hamler's one of those guys where uh, I saw someone do a Twitter thread. I did a little of my own research, and someone said it best, and I always agreed with it. And he said, I can't tell if KJ Hamler is a top 50 prospect or like a sixth-round guy. And, uh, yeah, okay, I will say that's true. You watch yeah. the film, you cannot tell. I just think K.J. Hamler's 
obviously coming in, he, he's the exact he is the type of player you want in the slot. I think he's gonna excel in the slot. He's got some ball. He's got he's gotta hang on to the football at the NFL level. There's gonna be some guys trying to strip him. He's he had some fumbles at Penn State too. So he's gotta he's gotta watch that a little bit. Yeah, I think like kind of Miles Sanders did too. So that's why I'm yeah. a bit more encouraged. But it's it, that one could go either way. Uh, thankfully, if you look at him as a fourth option in the receiving core, that makes me feel better. <laughs> when he can just stretch the field like he can, that makes me mm. feel better. Yeah, yeah. Ojemudia, and maybe for all I know, I am saying it wrong, but <laughs> I thought I got this down. Uh, interesting depth piece. Uh, it's very very fast. Uh, I'm trusting Fangio on that one because I thought he's a little bit lower of a prospect than that, but uh, mid third. That's okay. Cushionberry is a guy that a lot of people liked and I watched a lot of, and I couldn't bring myself to like him as much as most people did. I love him because he is an excellent, excellent uh, locker room guy. He actually won LSU MVP uh, probably because they're just like, well, Joe Burrow's going to win everything else. So let's give it to the next guy. Uh, So apparently he's a huge locker room presence. I love that because that is the team we've been building recently. Uh, I think he does show some really good intangibles. He looks like a tackle. First of all, he didn't look like a center. He has a tackles body type. So uh, the length, the strength should be there. Uh, I was a little bit disencouraged, but, uh, you know, when you have Mike Munchak, that helps a little bit. And we tried to trade up for Matt Hennessy, actually, is what the reports were. And I, I would have been ec- Matt Hennessy in that deep. Oh, oh I would have oh, been ecstatic. Uh, and then I think it was the Falcons traded up. Or, and we had a, a trade in place with the Jets, and the Falcons ended up taking him. And we didn't think the Falcons would do that because they have Alex Mack. So I guess they're looking toward the future. Drafted Chris Lindstrom in the first last year. Uh, they sniped us, so instead of trading up, we stayed put and got Cushionberry. Good uh, consolation. I can t- absolutely give it that. Uh, Albert O is a, a second tight end, pretty excellent. And then after that, uh, you get some late-round values. You're right, Derek Tuska is a pretty interesting seventh-round pick, very productive guy. Uh, Natane Moody is someone that's pretty exciting because a lot of people started watching him and realized that he's really good. He just can't stay healthy. So uh, he has some technical things to fix up pretty much most of them. He's just super, super strong. But again, it goes back to Mike Munchak. We only need one of between him and Cushenberry to really be good and start right away. Uh, so ultimately, a lot of people love this draft because Jerry Judy and KJ <clears throat> Hamler up top are so much fun. And I absolutely have to agree. I end up kind of going to a B, B plus. Uh, I would have loved to address cornerback a little bit earlier and I would have loved to have dressed uh, linebacker a little bit earlier uh, just because I need a little bit more speed on our defense but Ojemudia does provide that and they provide depth so uh, pretty curious to drop wide receiver wide receiver I love the picks uh, I thought we could have gone a little bit more defense heavy uh, we didn't and that's okay because I trust Fangio but uh, I can't praise it because uh, Judy fell to us but I still like the guys we got Bro, I want to hear your grade first. No matter go ahead of you, I want to hear what you have to say about the, the draft class. Well, um, he hit the nail on the head. I got a B plus grade as well on it. Um, I mean, I love the Judy and Hamler picks, and I love, I love that like Judy fell to them. I think Judy's gonna gonna be great there. Um, I think it's a great environment for him to play, just wearing guys out in that thin air all night long. I think it's gonna be fun, a lot of fun to watch, um, and. I think, like he said, I wish they probably addressed corner maybe a little sooner in the draft or or gotten that that inside linebacker. I think the defense just needed some pieces to work with. Uh, that's why I went with B plus. I think there's a, just they added so much offensive talent. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. I think it's a it's a going to be a great class for them. Uh, but I really, like he said, I mean, he he really took the words out of my mouth. I wish there. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I wish there just could have been when when looking at it, there could have been a higher draft pick on defense for them to just kind of sure things up and like like you said, add speed, which is just so crucial into the way the game's being played today. So, I guess we're all going to be the same. Mine's a B plus too. <laughs> I did not even yeah. know you guys were going to give B pluses. Um, so basically, I just love the wide receivers. Bo, like you said, they could have gone inside linebacker earlier, and that's something I was thinking too. And that's why I like that you brought up the whole Patrick Queen situation, Mason. Is you know inside linebackers for the Broncos. When you, we'll get into the depth chart here in a little bit, but it's it's a it's a position that kind of needs some more depth and more talent. And I would have loved if they had gotten Patrick Queen. This may have moved to an A for me. Yeah, because Patrick Queen would have been such yeah. a good fit in that defense. Oh, my gosh. But like I said, I love the wide receivers. And I'm just really high on that tight end pick, Albert O. Getting that guy who was a, a stud at Missouri with Drew Locke, and you bring him in also, you, he's going to be the number two tight end behind Noah Fan. I mean, come on, man. That's a lot of talent in that tight end room, uh, especially when Drew Locke's already uh, familiar with one of them. And also, you know, like you said, Mason, I think they could have gone defense a little bit more. Um, just overall, but I think they were really trying to get Drew Locke the weapons that he needs to succeed, which isn't a bad idea. Yeah. That's exactly what the NFL is doing nowadays. The more offensive weapons you can get for your quarterback, the better, because at this point, everyone's trying to outscore each other. That, yeah, I think the, the, Bron- the Broncos only hit 30 once last year, right? Yeah. Oh, 30 probably. points, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I'm, I'm pretty sure, because I mean, I don't even know if the Steelers did once. I mean, that's why I just know the team's down near that, the bottom of that list with them. But I mean, I mean, they, you can tell that that was what was on their minds when they hit this draft board. Is we need to get this offense, you know, firing on all cylinders. Absolutely, and I also like that they they I think they got two good guys. Yeah, I, know, I know you feel not as high on Cushionberry Mason, but I think they got two good guys. Like you said, if if Muti can just stay on the field, and Bo was high on this guy. Bo actually really likes this guy, and, and the amount. What was the bench reps this guy put up? Uh, Bo, what was it? Oh, it was absolutely ridiculous. I think it was forty-one. I want to was say. It, was it 41, Bo? Is that how many he put up? Uh, I'm not sure. I really don't know. He can put up double a, check for you. It was 40, it's 44. It's 44. 44. Oh, I found yeah, it in my absolutely, notes. Absolutely. I found it in my insane. notes. That's yeah, tied for fifth all time. Yeah, yeah. tied for fifth all time. Yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, I think getting Cushenbury and Muti, that's just, it's good because the offensive line, Denver, seems to be on the up and up. It's 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 getting better, and I think that's two great depth pieces. And Cushenberry, I don't know. I don't know if he'll come out and start. They did spend a third-round pick on him. We'll see if he is able to come out and start immediately. I, mean, I don't know if he will. But Muti um, kind of reminds me of Matt Filer in Pittsburgh when um, that Matt is, Filer oh, okay. was my, Matt Filer's freakishly strong and did play the inside before we moved him to tackle. And he's just, I mean, literally coming in, he had so much to work on. It was, I mean, he's just probably the strongest pound-for-pound guy on our line in the weight room. And, I mean, that's just kind of what everyone says about him. But once they put together the rest of his game, you got a starter out of him. So that's kind of what I was kind of equating him to when I made my notes. That's a really good comparison. I actually really like that comparison. Um, And also, last time I say, and another reason that they got a B-plus for me is, like I said, mark my words, Derek Tuska, he's a sleeper pick. Okay. I, I think he's I think he's going to do some things this year, and he's going to turn some heads. So um, I like that pick. Um, so all three B-pluses, I like it, guys. Um, Mason, if you could have changed one thing or you could have gone out and got one guy, is it still Patrick Queen, or, or you know, who would you have wanted to go out and get in the draft? Like, who, who was one guy that you were sitting back and you were like, wow, you know, he, this guy's on the board. I hope we take this guy. Uh. <sighs> 
it was probably the most heartbreaking thing too. And it's completely selfish. Uh, there was no need to add at this position. Uh, we would have had to taken the position too high. Uh, for completely selfish reason, reasons, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire became my running back one through the process. And uh, I'm just going to pat myself on the back really quick. I called it before any, not before anyone else, but I was very, very early on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back one uh, bandwagon. So I'm glad that ended up picking steam. Uh, I wish it picked up less steam because he ended up going to the Chiefs, which absolutely killed my night yeah that kind of was, backfired on you man oh man steam for him and then he going before you guys <laughs> from that would have been, been a ridiculous running back room like you yeah. said you, you, there was no need there for no him need. oh my god imagine that about running back room if they had clyde edwards layer two that'd be so more realistically christian fulton would have been a better second round pick uh uh, and then, yeah, there's a few interior offensive linemen. You know, I was thinking at this point we could almost get Josh Jones. He started to fall too. Uh, but KJ Hamler highlights made me uh, pretty content pretty early. I know he's not that <laughs> kind of prospect on the actual field, but the highlights can certainly change your mind. So, well, Christian Fulton, I think he would have been an amazing fit with the Broncos. Yeah. I think they just play his kind of scheme in, de- in the defense. So I would have loved to see Christian Fulton uh, go there. But let's talk about the the offense depth chart and the defensive depth chart as a whole, Mason. I want to figure out how you feel about the offense and the defense heading into 2020. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown of how I think the, the depth chart is going to look. And then you just pretty much gave me your thoughts. And this is, we're going to do the offense first, okay? Okay. All right, so the offense for me, obviously, quarterback, Drew Locke, the, the guy that's that everyone is talking about if you're a Denver fan. And even if you're not a Denver fan, everybody's excited to see what this guy can do. Um, running backs. Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, like we'll see, we uh, said, we'll see who's running back one. I cannot wait to see that um, going on in training camp. Uh, wide receivers for me, wide receiver one is still Cortland Sutton. Wide receiver uh, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamlin, and Deshaun Hamilton. Now, do you think Deshaun Hamilton's going to be your third wide receiver, Mason? No, probably not. Not unless Hamler, like, just forgets further how to catch. I, yeah, uh, so I, I, I see thinking. basically the top three being Sutton, Judy, and Hamlin. So what, what I've actually read, and it'd be slightly surprising, but not too surprising, but as like the training camp incumbent, what I heard is that they actually want to throw Tim Patrick on the outside uh, across from Cortland Sutton and run Judy in the slot. I'm curious wow. to see if that's how, how long that's that'll be the situation for, because I know Judy does do a lot of damage out of the slot, but... I got to assume that sooner or later that Judy switches between outside and slot and Hamler's uh, in this pure slot. I just keep picturing in my mind Jerry Judy in a Denver Broncos uniform just tearing up the league. I just think he it's a really good – I you know, before the draft, I did not think much of him going to the Broncos. And after it's happened, I just – I think he's really going to excel there. Are you with me on that boat? I mean, I just think he's really going to blow up with the Broncos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I kind of wanted to ask, do you think Deshaun Hamilton is going to be kind of like the odd man out in this group this year? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of talent, you know, running through this wide receiver core this year. It kind of seems like you're talking about Tim Patrick being on the outside. I mean, they drafted Tyree Cleveland, too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of a lot of guys floating around there that can play. Yeah, and they love to give our Colorado guys late chance. So we drafted uh, Juan Winfrey at the bottom of the draft last year too so i have to think he's also the incumbent for like the bomb of the depth chart but assuming like things even go slightly to plan with kj hamler i have to think like he's the fourth or fifth to start yeah okay i would say deshaun hamler is definitely a lock at the fourth that's what i would say 
Um, I don't see him falling much farther because he's already familiar with the offense. But I think KJ Hamler's just more talented. Yeah, so yeah. that's the, that's the reason Hamler's going to be be ahead of him. Um, and then tight end guys, we already know who these guys are. Noah, Noah Fant and Alberto. You can't ask for you know much better. Like we said, we'll see what Albert O can do at the NFL level. But Noah Fant, everybody knows this guy's a first round tight end, and rightfully so. So um, I'm glad that you know Drew Locke has a guy tight end like that as well. Um, now the offensive line, I'm gonna run you through what I think, Mason. But I'm gonna run you through this, and, and you know you guys tell me if y'all change anything. Um, first thing I want to say is left tackle. I have Garrett Bowles, but obviously you guys just declined declined his fifth year option, um, so he will be a, a free agent after this coming season. But I do think he's going to start on the left side. Um, left guard, a guy who was awesome to watch at the Senior Bowl. I loved scouting this guy, Dalton Risner. Um, I'm a huge fan of Risner. Um, center, Lloyd Cushenberry. I think he's going to come out and start at center. Um, right guard, Graham Glasgow. And right tackle, Juwan James. Do you have anything to say about that, Mason, or is that how you see it playing out too? No, I think that's the idea to start. I think there probably will be a pre uh a training camp battle between Cushenberry and Moody and whoever wins will kind of determine how uh, or where Glasgow starts because, of course, as we said earlier, he can start anywhere. So uh, he's kind of penciled in as right guard at the moment. He could start at center, be perfectly fine if Moody ends up being better and staying healthy. But, yeah, I think Cushenberry is probably the idea to get the early start. So, uh, yeah, okay, that's how I see it, too. Are you, are you behind them declining Bowles' fifth-year option? Because I'm going to say this. I didn't like when the Broncos drafted him originally. I never thought it was going to pan out that great. And I don't think he's played well enough to get his fifth-year option accepted. So, I mean, what's your stance on that? Yeah, and uh, it hurts more because my draft crush that year was uh, Ryan Rancheck. That's who I really, really, oh, really wanted. Oh, man, that's that hurt. sucks. That hurts bad. That's who that's I really, terrible. really, really wanted. And uh, it feels good to know I was kind of right about him, but uh, it hurts because we got Garrett Bowles. And, uh you know, Garrett Bowles isn't as awful as a lot of Broncos fans would have you think. Most casual fans, and that's me being a little bit elitist, but uh, uh, <laughs> most casual fans, you know, if they if they notice an offensive lineman, it's probably not good unless you're Quentin Nelson. But as far as I know, Quentin Nelson is the only Quentin Nelson. Uh, so Garrett Bowles has a lot of holding calls. It's really frustrating. And by no means is he good, but he isn't downright awful. So it's no, kind he's of, a solid. He's a solid left tackle, but in the league today, People want more than that. That's kind yeah. of what what's the problem. Yep. Is, is they want more than that. Uh, but what do you have to say about the offensive line? Is that pretty much what you were thinking, man? Yeah, I mean that's 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 the depth chart I, that I have predicted right there. I mean, I think Cushenberry is the favorite to get center, and I, I believe that it's. I don't know who else would play on the left side besides Bowles. I mean, and I, it's his last year there, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, it's pretty. I think it's pretty set in stone. Well, let's think about it. When you actually look at the the offensive line depth chart. The interior offensive line is the strength of the offensive line. You know, right tackle Juwan James, yeah. not a massive fan of him. Not not a huge fan of Juwan James. Garrett Bowles, I just went over that. But, you know, when you have a core of Dalton Risner, like I said, I'm high on Cushenberry at center, and then you have Glasgow at right guard, that's a solid interior offensive line. That's a very solid interior offensive line. So, obviously, that's where the strength of this unit comes from. Now, I want to jump in. Well, let me ask you this. Grade your offense, Mason. We'll, we'll do this. Grade your offense down the um, on paper. How do you feel? And, and tell me how you feel about them. How confident do you feel on them heading into 2020? Uh, I'm fairly confident, uh, just purely based on upside. But I feel like this is an offense where you almost have to have two grades. You need to have a floor and an upside grade. And they're okay. pretty much the complete opposite. Um, I'm going to give the floor grade a C-. minus. And I'm going to give the upside grade an A-. Okay. And I guess we can meet in the middle and just say it's a B. 
but like we're we're depending on so much upside and so we have so many young starters and i'm pretty sure we have like one of the youngest offenses in the league so it's really hard to say that they'll be for sure good but uh i mean from the proven talent we can say we at least have something to hang our hat on but it's going to take a lot of guys stepping forward to start to set the league on fire right away so the way i see the offense is imagine and this is what i like to imagine the ideal situation is that everyone on the offense like the offensive weapons and the offensive line as well they come out and they play to their potential well i'm gonna tell you right now if the the Broncos offense comes out and plays to its potential, the league better watch out. Oh, the yeah. league absolutely better watch out. If Drew Locke takes that second-year jump, if Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon just both are just chemistry off the bat, just playing fantastic. Cortland Sutton has a big year. Jerry Judy has a great rookie season. And K.J. Hamlin just is able to do enough to, to um, make it respectable that they drafted him where they drafted him in the second round. And then Noah Fant has, has another solid season. I mean, that's a lot of weapons. And it's not just that they're weapons. They're very talented weapons. Yeah. I mean, these guys are, are high draft picks, almost all of them. Um, so I, I think if they, if they play to their potential, they absolutely can have a huge year. Uh, but what do you think about the offense for the Broncos heading into 2020? I completely agree. I think it's the strength of the team. Um, like you said, they're solid through the middle of the offensive line, and then uh, they they can make the tackles work if they you know if they if they run their offense right. Um, and then I think there's just such, such high upside. I think you're going to see a lot more points put up on the board this year than you did last year. Won't be that won't be that stagnant offense that we saw. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, and I, and I also you know with KJ Hamler, I think that he's just such a such a good good football player. Do you think he's going to take some kick return reps? Absolutely. I mean, I'd Deontay, have to think Deontay, so. Deontay Spencer did a good job last year uh, in Denver returning the ball. Do you think he's going to take some of that? Well, are you are you asking me is he going to do it during the NFL season, or are you saying are they going to try him out in training camp and stuff? Like I mean, that? I think. Do you think he's capable of taking those during the season? Do you think they'd rather have him be that guy during the no, season? Okay, now I'm not going to say they'd rather have him. Is he capable of doing it? Absolutely. But I, I is are they is he going to be the guy? I doubt it. Uh, what yeah. do you think, Mason? Yeah, I mean that's been one of the like positions that no one really talks about that we haven't had for a long time it's like we went through training holiday fumbled a lot uh we had jordan norwood uh not very good except for the one time he had to be in the super bowl which was convenient uh so i think yeah once again uh spencer will probably come in with the starting role but out behind that you know most teams usually i feel like have two or three or four guys that can reasonably return kicks we don't have that so hamler is going to come in and get like a good shot right away and considering that he's the fourth option once again on offense if not the fifth start uh i think that's probably something we can reasonably see him do and it's good just to get the ball in his hands so that might be a great way to introduce him to the league just make him get him get one good return and you could set him off for a game and they could translate into his routes yeah and everyone everyone knows how fast this guy is too this guy's an absolute burner on the field. And like you said, Mason, it's always, and I'm not trying to make it sound like he's not important or any other players aren't important, but the less important you are on the offense, like the further you are down the wide receiver depth chart, the better chance you are you're returning. Oh, that's absolutely. just how it is. Absolutely. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I think Spencer will still be the guy, but like you said, there's no one else behind Spencer. So they're going to want competition. And I think Hamler is talented enough to maybe overtake Spencer. I just think that Hamler's going to be if, if to... Hamler scores a touchdown in preseason on like a punt return or kick return, do you? Oh, he'll probably he'll be start it. him. He'll probably he'll be, be it. Yeah, you probably. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's the, he's the kind of guy that'll do that. 
Yeah. yeah, he is. He is. But the way I see it is the one reason I'm saying, and this is actually the whole reason I'm saying he won't be the, the guy returning, is because I think Hamler will be more important on the yeah. offense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think he will be the third wide receiver. And I think that, that, that they're not going to risk Hamler back there returning kicks. Um, the guys, I want to jump into the defense a little bit. Um, and, you know, I can't wait to get to the inside linebackers to see what you think, Mason, because me and Bo were talking about it earlier. Um, okay. So let's, let's go through this a little bit. Defensive end, Jarrell Casey. Now, I don't know how you feel about that if you see him playing. I mean, I guess you see him playing end, right? Uh, yeah, so if we're running a base defense, which, you know, most teams don't actually do these days, he would be considered uh, the defensive end because we run what would be a 3-4. Yeah, uh, y'all run a nose tackle. Yeah, on base downs, we would have Mike Purcell at nose tackle. So, in reality, Jarrell Casey is going to be playing like that one to three tech role pretty consistently. Okay, so I just wanted to see how you felt. So, I have Jarrell Casey at left defensive end, Mike Purcell in the middle, and then Shelby Harris on the other side. Yep. Um, I just think that's how it's going to line up. There's no other way for that to line up. Those guys will kind of solidify where they're at. Um, okay, so let's talk about the, the Will linebacker. I've got Bon Miller. There is no one else. Nobody else. There's no, not even another name on the roster. It's just Von Miller right there. <laughs> um, left inside linebacker, Alexander Johnson. On the right side for inside linebacker, it's Todd Davis. And for the Sam linebacker, Bradley Chubb. Again, if this guy comes out healthy, there is no one else on the roster that competes for that. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller are, are one of my favorite duos in the NFL. Um, now, what do you have to say about the, the linebackers and the edge rushers? How do you feel about them? Obviously, you had to feel good about the edge rushers, Mason, but how do you feel about your inside linebackers? That's more what I was kind of excited to hear you talk about. Yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot of reason to hit on the edge. <laughs> Those guys should be a top three duo if they're healthy. So uh, the big question is the inside guys. And uh, it's it's kind of, I have to assume they're closer to the middle of the league in terms of talent because Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson are both really smart guys. And uh, I know Todd Davis has one of the highest... Uh, like tackle rates, not uh, like completed tackle rates. Like he doesn't let guys go. Alexander Johnson just came in, started getting significant snaps last year. Uh, was very impressive in the true Mike role. Uh, both of them are still lacking speed, and I think that's where Patrick Queen would have came in. Neither of these guys are super fast, uh, decent in coverage, mind you, decent zone guys, but uh, none of them are breaking the uh, league in terms of speed. I wouldn't say either of them exactly have quite sideline to sideline speed. So when you have slow linebackers, the saying is generally you have a slow defense. Not completely the case, but in this situation, they're not dynamic, but they're solid. And uh, in a Fangio defense, that means we should be okay. Uh, and I feel a little bit better about it because of our defensive line. So hear me out. I was telling Bo this earlier. Um, clearly, me and Bo talk about a lot of stuff that we probably should record, but we just <laughs> talk about so much stuff we don't get to record all of it. Um, it. <laughs> pretty much, I'm a massive fan, and I was huge when he was coming out of Iowa. I'm just a massive fan of Josie Jewell massive okay. fan of Josie Jewell. And I don't understand. I feel like Josie Jewell... Uh, let me ask you this. How do you feel about Jewell? What's the chances you can see this guy starting? Uh, Man, Jewell's someone that I wanted to be good when he was drafted because I generally root for Midwest college teams too. I don't really have a strong college affiliation, so Iowa is a team that I like to root for a lot, Iowa guys. And Jewell was one of those situations where it's like he did some really impressive things on tape at Iowa in terms of uh, play recognition. Uh, unfortunately, he falls into the exact same category as Johnson and Alexander as these smart linebackers who are pretty strong, but they just are lacking great physical tools. The thing with Jewell is that it's even a step below and I think that's why we drafted uh, Strand, Stranad, I can't say that one, um, uh, in this draft, because we need someone with just speed. And unfortunately, Jules kind of f 
fell out a little bit. I got to say, I was with you when we drafted him. I really wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt over his first two seasons. I got to say he's the clear number three linebacker. He'll be competing with uh, the rookie, and I don't I don't see him starting, unfortunately. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't see him starting either. I just, I've always been a fan of him, and I always wanted to play out with, with the Bronx. I always wanted to play out well. Uh, like you said, I, he was just a really smart guy on film. Uh, when you watch his Iowa film, I just loved him coming out. And I was hoping that he would get the start, but I don't think he's going to. Like you said, the, the physical tools, you've just got to have that in the NFL. You, you've got to have that. Smarts can get you somewhere, but you've got to have the speed and the athleticism overall um, in the NFL nowadays. Now, let's jump into the secondary. My biggest question is with the cornerback position. Some people have Isaac Yidium starting. I personally think it's going to be Bryce Callahan. I want to know how you feel about that because obviously on the other side it's AJ Boye. So, so is it Yidium or Callahan for you, Mason? Uh, it's Callahan. The question is what happens when we go to nickel packages, which is what most teams run most of the time in this passing league. And in which case, we signed Bryce Callahan to be the nickel cornerback. Uh, he was excellent in Vic Fangio's uh, defense uh, with the Bears at nickel. Uh, the problem is that he missed all of last year. Uh, historically, he is banged up throughout the season. Uh, when he puts together healthy snaps, uh, he's excellent. He's one of the better uh, slot guys in the league. It's just we need him to be healthy because we desperately need that nickel guy. So the big question is who kind of lines up on the outside across from Boyer when we're in those three cornerback sets. And uh, that's where the open competition is. Uh, Yadam is someone who has been kind of been given that rookie role, uh, limited snaps. Obviously, we drafted Ojemudia high. Uh, cornerback was a big need. Uh, Devontae Bobsby uh, signed out of the AAF. Uh, was slightly impressive in very, very limited snaps before he got uh, pretty hurt uh, middle through last year. I actually think he might be our best shot. Uh, and we also have Duke Dawson out of New England uh, from a few years ago, kind of looking for that role. We have four guys. And we need one of them to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Duke Dawson from Florida, I really liked him when he came out. And he's playing that New England system. So you know he's a smart guy. Yeah. He's playing, playing Bill Belichick football. So I, I didn't know how he was going to, you know, play out in this defense. Like you said, the whole thing with the nickel uh, packages, that's going to be interesting because, like you said, Bryce Callahan was brought in to be that guy. So I just think if you're, you know – I don't know. It's, it's a tricky situation. I think Idiom's going to get solid playing time. I just think if you're going over just based off talent and what these guys are able to do on the field, I think Boyer and Callahan are the two top dogs. Oh, I agree. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then I, I'm going to be honest with you. I really like the safeties the Broncos have. Yeah. K- Kareem Jackson. I love Kareem Jackson. And I, I, what's sad is, you know, Bo and Bo may have gone through this a whole lot, is that safeties don't get a lot of talk. They no. just do not get a lot of talk, especially, I mean, big-name safeties don't get a ton of talk. Unless you're Derwin James or Jamal Adams or, or, Minka Fitzpatrick. Going, or Tyron Matthew, you just do not, or, yeah, or Minka Fitzpatrick, Bo's got to throw a Steelers guy in there. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> 100%. Even those guys don't get as talked about as much as they should. And a guy like Kareem Jackson, who's not a huge name, no one understands how, how good this guy plays. He really, really plays good. And then, of course, Justin Simmons as well. This guy was an all-pro last year. But I guarantee you, if you went to half the fans in the NFL, they would have no idea that Justin Simmons was an all-pro. They just would not. 
The so, casual, so, the casual fan, as Mason would say. The, the casual, yeah, the casual <laughs> fan. One hundred percent would not know. They would not know. <laughs> so I want to hear which how you your thoughts. Uh, we just went through the corners, but talk about your safeties, man, because I know you've got to be happy with the safety position. Yeah, I think you pretty much just nailed. Uh, you, you hit it perfectly. These guys are last year anyway were genuinely elite and a huge reason why, despite the fact that our defense was so banged up last year and we were starting backups and backup backups on the defensive line and uh we only had chris harris genuinely at cornerback that our defense still kind of ended up being close to the top 10 defense at the end of the year not over the full year simmons fit into this defense perfectly like a puzzle piece it was incredible how well his skill set development and scheme just combined into this excellent season we can only hope he gets better or at least maintains last season's play uh cream jackson finally committed to the full safety role uh, Texans fans told us when we signed him, he, he was really good at safety, but, uh, he was still trying to play a little bit of quarterback, uh, just didn't have it there. Uh, we need him to, uh, keep the wheels under him cause he's a tiny bit older, but as long as these guys are healthy, it, it alleviates a little bit of concern that we have at cornerback because these guys are just everywhere making plays all over the place. And, uh, they seem to have the full trust of Fangio and his defense. And that's as exciting. That's as excited as you can be about a uh, duo, honestly. All right, so Mason, now I want to hear your grade for the defense and how confident are you in them? How do you feel about them heading into 2020? Oh, man, uh, I got to give the front seven an A-. minus. I got to give the secondary a straight B. So <laughs> it seems like I kind of just default to B-pluses everywhere. But, uh, yeah, man, you love some B-pluses. You got you to be happy with some B-pluses, so, yeah. What do you think right. the, think's the weakest position group on your defense? Oh, it's got to be cornerback, and cornerback two's probably got to be like the pure biggest hole on our roster. One hundred percent. Yeah, I would say as a whole, if you actually look at the whole, and I'm not saying I, I'm not trying to disrespect Johnson and Davis. I feel like the inside linebacker has questions, but just the the cornerback two position, it's just you don't know how that's going to play out. Like you said with Callahan, and and you just you got to find the guy that's going to be able to play across from Boye. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's just the, the, the biggest thing in that defense, uh, or the biggest hole, as I would say. Now, Mason, me and Bo have both picked our 2020 record predictions for next year. Do you have your record prediction? Yes, I do. Um, I kind of go conservative, and I have – so I've set a range that I like to do with teams this early. And uh, as a fan, I'm going to commit to the upper part of the range. But uh, in, in reality, I have us between 8 and 8 to 10 and 6. And I think as long as even half of our upsides hit, I think we can be a 10 and 16. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have 10 and 6. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Uh, okay, so, so the reason I don't have 10 and 6 is, is the, the, the schedule. The schedule is rough. It's not, it has nothing to do with the talent on the team. I'm going to come out and say that right now. Nothing to do with the talent. It's just the schedule, I think, and it being a young quarterback. That, that's the only thing that bothers me. Um, so I'm going to be honest with you. I went seven and nine. I went seven and nine. I think y'all win y'all's opener against the Tennessee Titans. I think that, that kind of gets Broncos fans going crazy. They're like, well, you know, we've already come out and beat the guys that made the playoff run last year. You know, this is big. Drew Locke's here. Like this is Broncos time, baby. But you know, then you lose, you drop two straight to the Steelers and the Bucks. Um, and then, you know, I think it's so up and downs next season, but and I know Bo, Bo made the same record prediction. Bo, you know, well, help me out here. What, what, uh, me and you were kind of the same on what we thought. Well, yeah, we were, and we'll see when we got to we got to talk about it before the podcast. I was on. I was just, I was at eight and eight, 
And then we got to talking about the schedule a little more. And I mean, the game, the game, I, I'm at either seven and nine or eight and eight. And the game that's got me torn up is, is they play Atlanta in Atlanta, which I would normally say I like Atlanta, but it, the Broncos have two weeks to prepare for that game, I believe. So now it kind of makes me lean towards the Broncos sneaking one out and stealing one from Atlanta at home. Uh, so I'm kind of leaning back towards eight and eight now. So I'm I'm just torn on the I'm I'm torn on that whole. I'm kind of at the towards the bottom. What he was at eight and eight, you know. I'm just I'm I'm stuck on the Atlanta game right now. And can I, we I, talk I, about can we talk about how much fun it's gonna be to watch AJ Bouye versus Julio? No, not for so me. <laughs> Wait, I guess not for you. No, no. From a fan standpoint, I don't guess it's that much fun. But from a Falcons I, fan standpoint, maybe. <laughs> like, I want to see the Broncos wide receivers against that the Falcons secondary. That's what I'm saying, man. I can't. That's wait better for me. Fun. That's better for me. Yeah, much better. Yeah, I like man. to see the Falcons secondary cover three to four guys who can really ball. Yeah, they all they all can well, ball and they plus all got fan, you know, but tight end and those two running backs. It's like I'll give Deion Jones the benefit of the doubt of uh, erasing Noah Fant in that one, but I don't see any way that they could even cover Sutton, let alone Judy. So no, no, absolutely not. Um, now, Mason, this is where the 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 big fan part of you has to come in. I want you to give us your top five Broncos ever, in your opinion. Bo and myself have our own lists, and we have them ranked. Um, and we normally go five, four, three, two, one. We go from uh, okay. we, the, the best Bronco of all time is last. So I want you to tell us who your guys are. Uh, well, number one will end up being pretty obvious. I have to think, it but um, <laughs> we got that easy answer down. Um, I made my list, and I'm just so terrified that I'm going to miss someone very important. And off the top of my head, Troll Davis is going to be the odd man out, which kind of no, hurts. But don't uh, do that to me. Oh man. Oh, uh, I know. Oh, I'm Biggest excited to hear his list then, over here ever. Oh, I love I, I root for Georgia, too, generally in the SEC uh, and because they've been very kind to us Broncos fans. I'll make up for it. So at five, I ended up putting uh, Steve Atwater, who thankfully just made uh, the Hall of Fame. Like been waiting it. for that one for a while. Yeah, deserved it. Yeah, huge part of our uh, late Elway teams. Huge, huge fan of uh, some Atwater. And see, that's where it got difficult is because if I'm making Atwater five, someone already lost out. Uh, so first three are all defense at that point. Number four. Uh, we go to Von Miller, who I think will be overtaking three soon. But, I mean, he's been our guy ever since we drafted him. He's been setting the league on fire. So, thankfully, I can watch one of these top five guys in action uh, currently. Still think he's got a bit in the tank. And then number three, uh, and again, it's going to be close between Miller and number three here because Champ Bailey is who I grew up watching. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love him. Uh, and I it was, love Champ Bailey. Another yeah, Georgia that, boy. They have that's your Georgia you, boy, man. yeah. Yeah, uh, and then Sean Moreno ended up working out when we needed him to that one year. So uh, George has been kind to us. George has been kind to us. Uh, I think Vaughn will be taking his spot pretty soon here, though. Uh, but, you know, both are of that talent. And then two, and that's where it kind of hurts to start leaving off Terrell Davis because we're talking about the same range here, but you got to give it to Peyton. Uh, he achieved one-third of our uh, histories of, you know, winning in terms of Super Bowls and even just that three-year period uh, completely transformed our franchise put us back on the map after some bad years and uh, you got to be thankful for a guy. And uh, we love to rub it in Colts fans faces. Yes. The average NFL fan, they give you an even answer, but uh, Peyton has embraced the Denver Broncos ever since he retired. He mostly he has, lives in he Denver. Has. He really has. And to us Broncos fans, I don't even dislike the Colts by any stretch, <laughs> but it just feels good. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like we have this over him and it's been really fun to watch at the golf match. Uh, he had a Broncos. He had the Broncos logo and number eighteen on the side of his cart. Uh, wow! 
it was really it was really nice to see. Uh, and then obviously number one would be John Elway. One hundred percent, bro. I want to hear your list, man. I've never gone last before. I just want to keep listening and see what you guys think. <laughs> uh, well, uh, my number five, I have Champ Bailey. Uh, one of the best to ever do it. When I was a kid, I always thought of him as the best corner in the league. Uh, he'd lock down anybody, any day. I mean, just a freak athlete, great tackler, too, for the corner position. So, I mean, just d- deserves everything, you know, the Hall of Fame status, everything he's going to, you know, everything. Uh, great player. So, number five is him. And four, I had TD, Terrell Davis. Uh, Sixth-round pick turned Hall of Famer. Just a great story. And plus, Broncos, all-time leading rusher. And uh, to have eight TDs in a single postseason is really impressive. Um, and just one of the toughest players to ever play the game, put play the position of running back, and just play the game of football. I mean, I think he played that whole Super Bowl just pretty much out cold. Uh, I think when he he got uh, he had a concussion like in the first yeah, quarter of of the '97 Super Bowl, I think a uh, a migraine yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, a migraine. Yeah, he just was didn't know where he was, but still played a great game. Um, number three, I had Shannon Sharp um, uh, when he retired. Yeah. Yeah, this, I know this is one of the ones that probably was hard for you, too. I mean, when he retired, he was, like, the best tight end ever. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was NFL, when he retired, he was NFL's all-time leader for, for tight ends, all-time leader in receptions of 815, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. So that's 10,000 receiving yards at tight end in the 90s. That's that's pretty tough. It You know, that's that's a lot that's a lot of receiving yards for the years that he came in the league. And uh, and then 62 touchdowns, a lot for a tight end. I mean, just a great player. Yeah, as a tight end, you got a double team. He was like the Gronkowski of those years, you know, until guys like Tony Gonzalez and, you know, people like that hit the scene. Um, and then my two, I, I was a guy I loved, uh, Rod Smith. Uh, oh, yeah. Undrafted free agent. Uh, I think he, I don't know about now, but I think he's the only – uh, undrafted free agent to rack up 10,000 yards as a receiver. And that's pr- super impressive to come from that to be one of the best to ever do it for the Broncos. He's the Broncos' all-time leader for receivers and receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Uh, so I had him as number two. And the unanimous, should be unanimous, number one is John Elway for all the reasons. And you could sit here for another 30 minutes and name off all the records and for the franchise records he has for the Broncos and his, and his stats. But people already know that. And he's been a pretty dang good GM. If I, you know, if I had to say, as after, long as he's not picking quarterbacks. Yeah. But I mean, who cares? He's, still, know, he's maybe. still got a Super Bowl, you know? Yeah, that's true. Now, Bill, I'm going to say I'm 100% surprised Bob Miller's not on your list. I'm just kind of, I mean, he's still playing right now. I was just thinking about, you know, all time. I mean, he's definitely going to be that top five player, but I, I just was kind of going with, going with the all time thing right now. Von Miller's still putting the finishing touches on his career. That ink's not dry yet. No, absolutely. It's not. I think he has, like Mason said, quite a bit left in the tank. Absolutely. So guys, this was the most fun that I've had doing a top five plays yet, but just because oh. of, the, of the red and black that's in there, baby, the, the Champ Bailey, the Terrell <laughs> Davis, it was so much fun. Um, the number five for me, Champ Bailey, like you said, Bo, this guy's from an athleticism standpoint and his physicality was amazing. I, I grew up watching Champ Bailey, and you know, a big thing for me was you talk about speed. Champ Bailey had it. Champ Bailey oh, yeah. was so fast, and I, I know that's why I loved watching him. Um, but like you said, lockdown guy. Lockdown at one point was the best corner in the league. Um, number four, Terrell Davis. I think the reason I give Terrell Davis, I put him ahead of Champ Bailey, is just because of Super Bowl MVP. This guy also, you talk about running backs that started making it, receiving as a running back normal. 
he was one of them. You've got your Marshall Fox and things like that, but Terrell Davis was one of the original guys too that started that stuff. And you, like you said, but just the competitive drive this guy had. He was a sixth round pick, and then a guy turned into a Hall of Famer, which is just yeah. uh, amazing to see. Um, number three for me. So I'm gonna tell you right now, number two and three are switching for me, and, and I've just made the final decision. I've actually been thinking about it for three days. Um, <laughs> because I just keep reading more and more about them, and I keep trying to watch more and more highlights, and I cannot figure out what I was trying to do. Um, so number three for me originally was Vaughn Miller, um, and two was Shannon Sharp, but I'm switching that. Vaughn Miller's going to be number two for me now. Um, Shannon Sharp is number three. Like Bo said, this guy had to be double teamed. Basically was the Gronk back then, was just an unbelievable athlete and almost unstoppable. And like you said also, Bo, this guy was the GOAT tied in when he retired. Yep. He just was. He there was no him. argument when he retired. There was no argument. There was at, no at one the time, that you could put in no the category yeah. with him. There was just no, no one on his level. No. Obviously, that has changed some, but I still – I'm going to be honest with you. Shannon Sharp, at this moment right now, is the top three tight end all time. Yeah. I think the only ones I'm you on put board. over him – I think the only ones you put over him at this point are Gronk and Gonzalez. I think yeah. he changed the, changed the position. He changed what it can be in the That's league. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I think absolutely he's still a top three tight end. Um, I mean, so have, I, three, have three seasons over 1,000 yards at tight end in the 90s is just super impressive. I mean, so when, impressive. when he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, he scored their only touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was like a 90-yard TD. And I'm going to be honest with both of you, I cannot stand watching him on his shows, but – Oh, I can't uh, watch I, Skip and Shannon either. I can't watch it. I don't even get me started on that stuff. I can't. I can't watch out of it all either. out of all the shows. They all they're they're all pretty awful, but yeah. it's at least it's semi entertaining with the way the way you know. The way oh he yeah, well, he, yeah, yeah. He just gets under Skip's skin a whole yeah. lot. That's always oh, yeah. watch him do that. Yeah. But um, and then number one for me. Oh, okay, number two. Like I said, switch Von Miller. Von Miller is, I think, definitely going to be the second second greatest Bronco ever. Um. He, he, like you said, Mason, since y'all drafted this guy, this guy's just been on an absolute tear. And I just think about when he had the strip sack on Cam Newton and they got the touchdown from it. That changed that game and got the Broncos their championship. That was huge when that happened. And Von Miller was an absolute animal that whole year. And when he's healthy and on the field, he's still an animal. Yeah, it doesn't still matter. One, he's still one of the best. He's still one of the best. And I think he's going to have a great year this year if he can stay healthy. Um, also, the guy's amazing in commercials. I love it. And he's also a really smart dude. He's also he's hilarious. I think I just I just love his whole personality. So I so you know, Von Miller is number two for me, and then number one it's John Elway, and there's there's no one else you could even put up there with him. Um, I don't think anyone's gonna catch it, catch him either for a long time if anyone ever does. Um, now we'll say this, Mason Peyton Manning. I think I, I could see why he would be in your top five, but I don't think he played there long enough for me to put him. in in the top five of the Broncos. Just that was wasn't. my problem, too. Yeah, it, I, it's I just had not enough longevity. I, I think Peyton Manning, for me, will be in the top five of the Colts instead of the Broncos. But I will say that Peyton Manning, 100%, if he could do it all over again, I think he'd choose Broncos every day of the week for the <laughs> because he loved Broncos football 100%. And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, but John Elway, I've told Bo a whole lot. You know, Bo agrees with me. You talk about physical specimens. You know, we talk about uh, Patrick Mahomes. We talk about, I guess you could say, Brett Favre and guys like that um, that have freakish arm talent but are also – they move well in the park, the pocket. Um, they're kind of a gunslinger mentality um, and are mobile too. John Elway had an unbelievable arm, and I think he's one of the first guys ever that was, was just like you were playing backyard football. 
that, that's basically what John Elway did. Unbelievable arm, but was also a lot faster than people thought he was, too. He could scramble out of the pocket and make things happen. Such a competitive guy and uh, was a huge part of the Broncos, you know, becoming the Broncos and putting that team on the map. So I think there is no one else. Like you said also, this guy's won a Super Bowl as a GM as well as a player. I mean, come on, man. You can't ask for much more than that. Could he have done a little bit better selecting quarterbacks in the past? Yeah, he could, but I think he may have hit on this one. So I think Locke's going to be the one that makes people shut up about it finally. But for me, it's 100% John Elway's the greatest Bronco of all time, and I think every one of us agree on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, no doubt. Now, Mason, we do this every time to everybody that comes on the podcast for the fan episodes. We didn't tell you that we were going to ask you these questions because we wanted off the top of the head. Okay. It's three questions like every time. So here's your off-topic questions. Number one, what team is your sleeper team this year? Ooh. So basically, what team is the one that's going to come out and surprise fans? What team is the team that people aren't talking about enough and is going to come out and do damage? Oh, man, let me get the rosters up really quick. Or not even the rosters. Let me get a list of teams here because I know I have an answer for these. Uh, and I want to be certain. Okay, so sleeper team. Uh I really, really think it feels gross to say the Browns, but I well, feel like they got. <laughs> I feel like that's a team that got so overhyped last year that now everyone just is expecting them to go to the old way of Browns. I think they're going to finish with one of the highest uh, uh, offensive roster grades, and I'm just kind of a Baker believer, so I think you get any competency in that head coach and an offensive play caller. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be. Oh, I forgot about the Steelers thing. <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, I was about to say like <laughs> it's going to be those two competing for like not only the second in the division, but like probably that wild second card. or third wild card. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and ultimately, I think they set them up with a really good offense. But I'm just a kind of a Baker believer. So uh, sorry to hit you with that. Though I think the Colts will probably win the AFC South too. That was the other answer I was going to give. Yeah, I mean, you know, man, as a, as a, as a Bengals fan and just a football fan overall, I just, I lost my appetite when you said that. <laughs> but, but but I'm gonna tell you, here's the, the the complicated thing with Baker Mayfield and, and Bo. Tell me if you feel the same way. Um, yeah. All right, so Baker came out and he had a good rookie season, right? And then he took a big big step back, and he's still making kind of I think poor decisions, um, just kind of with his personality. At times, he makes poor decisions and has poor judgment. But here's the deal. I would feel dumb if I didn't say I believed in Baker Mayfield. But I also oh. feel dumb at the same time when I say I do believe in him. <laughs> like, I feel dumb regardless. Schrodinger If I'm talking to a group of people and I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I believe in Baker Mayfield. Part of me is like, you know, you probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but then if I say, oh, well, I do believe in him, it's like, you know, you probably shouldn't have said that either. You don't really know which way to go. How do you feel on it, though, with Baker? Well, I just think it's still pretty early. I mean, he, he's still a young quarterback. And I mean, like, I don't know if you've been keeping up with it lately but like he's because i mean I, I know you've been really busy lately with your new with your new job and all that but i mean he's he did his first interview pretty much the whole offseason he was saying that he's handling things a different way this year and uh it's time to stop you know being in all these interviews running his mouth it's time to to be about it instead of talk about it and you know i i, I, be, I i'm not gonna say i don't believe in baker mayfield he's number one overall pick i mean he's a heisman winner i mean it's you know i believe in i believe baker mayfield can be good i just 
don't know if I believe in his focus to be the best, if he if he truly still understands what that is. And I think we're going to find out. Uh, this is a big prove it year for, for Baker Mayfield. I mean, big time. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to sit around and just wait for Baker Mayfield to get his act together, like at all. You know what I yeah, mean? I, 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 don't, I, I think is I think there's a sense of urgency that we're going to see this year that he didn't have in the previous two, uh, and I will see how that goes for him. I mean, he's just going to have to stop making as many mistakes. I mean, simple as that. Stop turning the ball over, and he's got the right guy coaching him for that. Um, I mean, it's just a matter if he's going to put in the real work that it takes to be great at this level. Um, I agree with what you said, Bo, and also shame on you because you know, no matter, no matter how busy I am, you know 100% I do my reading. And I saw that Baker Mayfield said said he is going to move in silence this year. Yeah, which I, mean, I like. I like that a whole I like lot. That too. Uh, and I think that's going to help him. I think Baker's head gets a little bit big at times. Well, actually, I don't think. I know it does. And I think it gets in the way of his focusing. Would you say I'm correct with that, Bo? Yeah, I mean, I just I think you just realize that he's, there's no such thing as like the preseason paper champs that they thought they were last year. Yeah, exactly. Got OBJ. exactly. That doesn't you know, matter. Now, the, the roster's loaded this year, even more so than last, and there's a whole lot less of that you know paper champ talk. You know what I mean? Uh, see, Mason, I'm gonna tell you the 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 whole Browns organization um, or things that have to do with the Browns is is close to me and Bo's heart because on our first yeah. episode, the first episode we ever had, we got to talk about how Miles um, Garrett assaulted a player on the football field. That was ah. our first episode <laughs> that week. So it's always fun when we talk about some Brown stuff. It makes us reminisce a little bit. Um, but here's my second question for you, Mason. So are you ready to go? Let's see if you can yeah. get this one. Who wins MVP this year? Oh, um, well, let's try not to say Lamar and Patrick Mahomes just because that's what everyone will say. Uh, I'd have to say if – if the Seahawks can run more than fi- or pass more than fifty percent of the time, I'd have to say Russ probably has a really good shot. Banging the table. I'm so happy you said that. He's my yeah. J- Jacob is on Russell Wilson right now. I, I need that play calling just to get a little bit better, but I don't. I do not understand the uh, logic of taking the ball out of the best quarterback, a uh, top three quarterbacks hands you know it's like that should be the, where the offense you know, is flowing if, through how much does russ do his own play calling does anyone know that I mean, probably a solid good. amount i would say yeah. i would say probably uh, i don't know 40 yeah, i know i know big, big ben gets to make a lot of decisions on what he's doing i mean and russell's that caliber would you better. say 40 percent is high bro would you say 40 percent of the time he's called would you say that's too high yeah, I'd say it's. I mean, it also depends on the game they're in too. I mean, everything, a lot of stuff, situational in the NFL. Every adjustments happen it's constantly. True, it's true. Um, Mason, I was going to say, uh, you know, taking it out of the Russell's hands. I will say this, and you know, I don't. Obviously, this is a league-wide thing, but I will say, and I know Blitz Lakes basically just had a poll out on Twitter about this, and I agreed with it. Chris Carson is the best running back in that division. So, you know, maybe that's why. I mean, Chris Carson is a good running back. Um, at least, I don't know if y'all agree with me. I think Chris Carson's the best running back in that division. But um, we know Chris Carson's talented when he can stay healthy. But um, I'm trying like to run said, through it in my head. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's I'd, approximately it. I think, I think Kenyon Drake, to be honest, might be a tiny bit. But it's like they're Kenyon kind Drake of in that might, same yeah, Kenyon Drake might get the volume this year to make him the best. Okay, well, if I'm going from a talent standpoint, I just think Carson's better than Drake. That's all I'm saying. I, if you're not, you know, Drake's healthier. 
Okay, Drake is healthier. Thank you. <laughs> Drake is. Got the fumbles still. What is it? The best quality is availability, or what is that's it? That's true. That's true. I can't argue with you. I can't argue with you. Man. I don't know the exact phrase. No, I think I think Carson's really good, though. I don't like. I don't think that's like a bad opinion whatsoever. But, but, Carson is very talented. The big thing with me having him win MVP, and, and this is what's amazing to me, is that Russell Wilson has never won MVP, and it's that's just daunting to me. I don't understand how he hasn't. Um, at this point, because he's so good. And um, I guess it just goes to show how many other great players there are in the NFL. Um, and by that, I mean quarterbacks, because it's a quarterback award. And Neil yeah. constantly reminds me of that. Yes, it is a quarterback award. For but, a fact. You just need to rename it. I'm going to tell you, and, you know, and Bo's with me on this, uh, even though Russell Wilson isn't his MVP pick. Russell Wilson this year, Mason, in my mind, I think he's going to have the best weapons he's ever had in his career. I don't think he's ever had weapons mm. like he had this year. His tight end room is stacked, 100% stacked with Disley, Hollister, and Greg Olson. He has DK Metcalf in his second year and Tyler Lockett, who isn't a wide receiver one, and I will pound the table over that every day, but he's an unbelievable wide receiver too. Do you think that's a top 10 wide receiver core, though? I mean, No, no, I don't, but I think it's yeah. the best Russell Wilson's ever had. I think I don't think Russell Wilson. The Marshawn Lynch office, offenses are just my question mark, you know. But who is it? Got, who is it? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I so, would say so, DK Metcalf is the best wide receiver Russell Wilson has ever had, ever. He did have a half season of Doug Baldwin, Percy Harvin, and Golden Tate. It's true. Uh, now I'll say okay, that I would rather have Baldwin and Tate. I would rather have Baldwin and Tate. Then Lockett than, and Metcalf. Yeah. See, I don't know about that. I think the big question is Will Disley because he was really, really good when he was healthy last year. But he didn't just like he his he. I think he tore his uh, his uh, ankle or, or it's a well, it's I can't Achilles, think exactly. Achilles, 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 yeah, Achilles, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. a brutal injury to come back from. Especially for a I'm not tight end, high, high impact position like tight end where you're blocking and playing receiver and catching a lot of passes over the middle. It's, you know, it's a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of contact. So yeah, I don't care about their other tight ends, but I mean, I can agree that if Metcalf takes the proper second step forward, and he certainly showed that potential across from Lockett, that's excellent. They can, they can do a lot of damage. Russell yeah. could, definitely can work with that. I agree, man. All right, number three, here's the last question. Let's see All right. If, uh, how are you doing this? What is the matchup going to be in the Super Bowl, and who wins it? Uh, oh, man, I hate predicting Super Bowl in May, but – uh. Off the top of my head, I would have to think. I gotta think. I would probably say right now the two best teams in each division or in each conference, I could take the safest bets on would be Baltimore, Tampa Bay. Baltimore, Tampa Bay. What did you have? Bro? You had Baltimore and Saints, correct? Yeah, Baltimore oh, winning. It's so close between those two, too. Uh, so let me ask you, who wins it? Hmm. I look at how both those offenses match up against the defenses and it's crazy how well they match up, man, that would be so fun. I would have to lean toward gut feeling says Tampa Bay head feeling says Baltimore. I'm going to go with my head on this one. I'm gonna say, I, I like think, it, man. I, like, I, think, I just can't bring myself yet to give Lamar a Super Bowl. And I agree. I agree. It's kind of a hard call in his third year. It's not. It's just not just Lamar up there, though. You know, that's true. It's a really good team they have. It is. It's a really good team. And they, and they, and they brought in a good draft class to help. Yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I, I can't forget about the J.K. Dobbins. You, uh, Bo, Bo being a Steelers just, fan, can being we, a huge what, fan of J.K. Dobbins, yeah. said I want to throw up. 
makes I don't want to. I don't want to get into too deep into it because it makes me want to just absolutely vomit. But <laughs> yeah, I wanted. I wanted some J.K. Dobbins on the team. Now, seeing these pictures of James Conner coming out lately uh, has been pretty cool. So I'm, I'm feeling a little better about not having J.K. Dobbins. But I was. I was pretty upset on draft night. I was pretty. Yeah. Upset. I understand it, man. Well, Lord Mason, it's been an awesome time having you on, man. You came in with a lot of energy, and you did not disappoint. I really appreciate you coming on the TSR podcast, man. It's been a lot Great. of fun. Talking Broncos, um, a team that I, I really, really enjoy talking about. Um, Mason, I want you to give them your Twitter uh, uh, name so they can follow you and see some of the stuff you put out. Perfect. Uh on Twitter, just uh, DTH underscore Mason. DTH stands for Defend the House. That helps you guys remember. And I really appreciated the invite. This was a lot of fun. I can talk about any team whenever if you guys ever need someone. But, yeah, I always have a special heart for, uh, special place in my heart for the Broncos. So uh, this is a pretty easy podcast to do. You guys made it very natural. Had a lot of fun just uh, saying what was on my mind. Yeah, it's always easier when it's your team, man. Bo, Bo completely up and ran with the Steelers episode. <laughs> uh, one that I'll never listen to again. <laughs> and, uh, I never want to hear that much Steelers talking between him and Roy Countryman. I, I can't ever take that oh, again. Yeah. Uh, was, but I am was, excited. Couldn't get a word in, man. No, <laughs> I, it was like it wasn't even my podcast. It, it was. was, it so, was it's was like so I've never excited. been on the podcast before. I, it was so much fun to listen to them, though. They had a lot of fun. Um, but I, I will say this, Mason. Like you said, when it's your team, you can talk about them a whole lot. And the, the cool thing is, and I don't even know if Bo knows this yet, but Bo will be the one leading the Bengals podcast and asking me questions. There you so, go. So That's... I'm gonna have a lot of fun doing that. Um, but also, I want Bo. You go ahead and give them uh, the place they can find you at, man. Read some of your stuff. <laughs> Jacob dropping a little bomb on me casually yeah. at the end of the podcast. I always do it. Like I always that. Do it. <laughs> All right, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, capital TSR, a lowercase B E A U S at TSR Bow. And uh, you can also find me on stillcurtain.com. I do some contributing writing. I should have an article coming out uh, in the next few days here. So go ahead and check that out. Any clicks are appreciated. And you can find me here every week with you guys. Yes, sir. And everybody, please go follow Blitzalytics on Twitter at Blitzalytics and go to Blitzalytics.com. Go to the members tab, find Jacob Patterson, find Mason, and also soon find Bo um, and, and check us all out and check out some of the scouting reports that I've done and uh, soon to be Mason will have done too. Um, it's been a lot of fun working with, with uh, you, Mason, at Blitzalytics. Being in our first couple of meetings, it's been fun, man. You know your stuff, so I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, guys, please go follow TSR on uh, Twitter, and by, by TSR, I mean follow me, don't follow Bo, because we're in the, the followers competition. You're way at behind. Scouting, you're, about scouting, you're about 100, at, you're about 100 right, back right. now. You don't have to make a comment every time, Bo. At <laughs> Scouting LLC, everybody go follow it, and please follow TSR on Instagram, at Scouting underscore LLC. Guys, it's been a ton of fun talking Broncos with you, but I've got to get out of here. I'm trying to go kayaking this weekend. Mason, y'all have a great weekend, man. Peace out, guys. You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in. This is the TSR pod where all we do is win. It's just football fiends on a mission delivering opinions of my significance. Man, I hope you've been listening. Scouting is the business. You're welcome because it's a privilege. Most people in this position just don't give it away, no. All that's left to say now is welcome to the show because you know Jacob and Ball were ready, so let's go. Continue.